0: And so my husband said, after a year, you know, if you keep looking for it and it's not there, I think it's your job to create it. And so at first, you know, I kind of thought that and I thought, you know, I don't know what I'm doing, but I thought it would be fun to start a blog because I love writing and reading. And and I started this blog and it was, it was bad, but it was out there, you know, and that's what they say. Just start, right? If you want to do something, just do it. And I think that really is good advice because you're not going to get good at something if you don't ever do it.
1: The Empower From Within podcast presented to you by Trezor. I'm your host, Jessica West, founder of Trezor, creative entrepreneur and author. Every week on the show, I share an empowering message or interview an incredible individual to help you discover the limitless power you have within yourself to reach for your greatest desires and create the life that's truly worth living on your terms. Self-empowerment begins now. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. It's so great having you here, and I hope you're having an amazing week so far. Today, I'm excited to introduce you to Jen Hardy. Jen is a podcast host for two different podcasts, an author of four books, a speaker, and a community builder. Jen is devoted to helping others discover their full potential, reclaim their power, get creative, and tap into their inner wisdom. In 2014, Jen was diagnosed with a number of chronic illnesses. And in 2018, she was informed by her medical team that there was nothing more that they can do to help her condition. And so she made a few significant changes to her life and she created a blog to help other moms who were going through similar experiences. This blog then turned into a book, which turned into a podcast. And before she knew it, she was thriving and living her most fabulous life. Today, Jen shares ways that we can begin living the life we want despite a chronic illness, despite our age, or despite any other challenge that might be holding us back from going after that life. It's really so inspirational, so get ready to be inspired and empowered. Please welcome Jen Hardy. Hi, Jen, and welcome to the Empower From Within podcast. I'm super happy to have you here today. How are you doing?
0: I am so great, Jessica. I am so glad that you've had me here. I've really enjoyed getting to know you over the last little while, and I can't wait to have this talk.
1: Yeah, me too. Full disclosure to everyone listening. This is our second time doing an interview because yesterday I didn't hit record. (laughs) So here we are. And so, Jen, it has been so great talking to you and getting to know you. Um, Yeah, the conversations that we have are just absolutely amazing. And so I'm really excited for what's to come today. And so we're really good. Yeah. So you're just an incredible human being. You've authored four books. You're hosting two podcasts, the one Fabulous Over 50 and the other one Medical Gaslighting. You're empowering women and creating support circles and coaching. Can you tell us how that journey started for you and what really inspired you to empower others to live their best life?
0: Yeah, also you make me sound like such an incredible person. I really appreciate well, that. Well, you are. <laughs> but it is it's so amazing. I told my husband, I'm like, she makes me feel so special. And then I I stop recording and I look and I'm just me in my office. But thank you very much. Um, well, you know, it all started um back a while ago. I got really, really sick. And I was a homeschooling mom of seven. And I always say I was only a homeschooling mom of seven. And people are like, oh my gosh, I'm seven. Um, but to me, I feel like teacher, like school teachers that have 30 kids, like I don't even know how they do it. Um, But so I I ended up getting really sick and I spent six separate weeks in the hospital. I had 20 different day-long infusions and I had a two and a four-year-old and then four teenagers that I was looking after. And I mean, and how do you do that when you can't get out of bed, right? Or if you're at the hospital. And so I kept researching and trying to find, you know, like, People telling me how you should do things when you can't get out of bed. And there wasn't anything. And so my husband said, after a year, you know, if you keep looking for it and it's not there, I think it's your job to create it. And so at first, you know, I kind of thought that and I thought, you know, I don't know what I'm doing, but I thought it would be fun to start a blog because I love writing and reading. And and I started this blog and it was, it was bad, but it was out there, you know, and that's what they say, just start, right? If you want to do something, just do it. And I think that really is good advice, because you're not going to get good at something if you don't ever do it, right? So I did that. And then I took a lot of the information I had from that and put it into a book called The Sick Mom's Guide to Having Fun Again. And um, it has a 100 things to do with your kids, 50 of them, if you can't even get off the couch. Because when you are feeling that tired and sick and whatever, it's hard to even like Google things and write down a list, you know, because you're just so exhausted And I thought that way your, your child can just go and grab the book and say, Hey, I want to do this thing. And then you could do it. It would make it really easy. And then I heard about podcasting and I thought, Oh my gosh, that sounds like fun. I love being in front of a microphone and, um, That way, people, if they're feeling sick and they're feeling tired and they can't even barely read, then they can hear all the different things to help them. And so that's how I got started doing that. And at the time, I was so sick. I couldn't even sit up most of the time. I was only out of bed like two hours a day. It was wild. And so I got a hospital table and a little boom arm for my microphone. And I set up a podcast studio right next to my bed. And that's how I did it. I got it all done. I wrote my book there and everything.
1: That's so amazing. And, and I love so many things that you said, you know, the first one, when, when your husband suggested, you know, if it's not out there, create it. And that's something that I'm really putting forward in my life now is that if I'm looking for something and I'm not finding it, well, I'm going to create it myself. And we all have the capacity to create what's missing in our life. And so I love that. And the concept of just start. And it's so true. You just have to go and do it because you're not going to learn without actually taking action and doing it right and you learn along the way and it's just so powerful just so amazing that how you could just start that from you know sitting in your bed can you share some of the like what other kind of challenges came up when you were thinking about writing the book and creating the podcast like I know we all deal on some level or another with imposter syndrome and so how did you really overcome those kind of limiting thoughts
0: yeah, that was huge. That was really huge for me. And so like when I wrote the book, I didn't really want to tell a lot of people about it because I wrote it, but then it was that, yeah, who am I to have written a book kind of thing, you know? And the same with the podcast. Who am I to, you know, I don't know, think that I whatever. Um, and so it was really really hard. I had a lot of voices like not schizophrenic voices, but like voices from the past, you know, all those voices that say you're too fat or too ugly or too dumb or too whatever. Um, and most of them aren't even true, right? It's might be something that some bully said to you once in passing, or it might be something that a family member said recurringly that just was not factual. Um, and I think we all have that to some degree. I'm um, And so if you don't more power to you, I think, you know, some people just have, had great supportive people surrounding them, and that's great. And that wasn't me. And so overcoming that was very, very hard. Um, and I really have been struggling with that up until the last few years, really, because you know you just you'd hear those voices. And I was on a phone call with a woman, and she's in her 80s, and she's done so many amazing things. And she still is doing so many amazing things. She's out running around and taking her great grandkids places. And and she's this phenomenal woman. And I said, you know, I'm really struggling though with this. And she said, but you know what? So am I. And I said, but now I want to tell you that you've done all these great things and you shouldn't feel that way. But now since I'm saying it out loud, I realize I'm telling myself the same thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's just something for us all to remember is that, everybody feels, everybody has imposter syndrome to some degree. I mean, even, even celebrities, when they go out on stage, get a little, little bit of butterflies, you know, it's, it's everybody you just have to remember that just makes you normal to feel that way. It's not because you're less than. So mm-hmm. yeah. I, st- I still fight with it a little bit, but
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah well, I think we were kind of like, we live in a society where we're kind of told to keep that to ourselves and maybe not share that. But I think when we do really start sharing our story, it's so surprising how many people are like, Hey, I feel that way too. Maybe we don't have the same like physical experience, but the internal feelings and the stories that we're telling ourselves, oftentimes they're, they're very, very similar and we can, you know, work together to help each other out. I mean, that's why, you know, I always say like help empower each other, right? Like it takes all of us. And so, yeah, that's, that's super, super powerful. And can you share, because you have the the, the serious mental, uh, not mental, sorry, but serious <laughs> illness. And having spoken to you, you had shared that really the diagnosis that you were given, you weren't really expected to be here today and do all of the things that you're doing. And so can you share like what that was like for you and maybe how can you go about and create a business or fulfill your desires while, you know, facing a serious illness.
0: Yeah. And I think, I think it's important because a lot of people get diagnosed with things. They say half of millennials now have a chronic illness diagnosis of some kind, which blows my mind. And over 55% of Gen Z is clinically depressed. So, I mean, there's a lot of people dealing with a lot of things. And for me, so in 2018, my family practice doctor said, you know, they don't think I'm going to make it. I have myasthenia gravis, which is a rare disease and a muscular dystrophy, and they both affect my muscles and my breathing. And so the family doctor's like, you know, you probably will be around for about another year. I'll give you pain medicine. I'll make you comfortable, whatever, because I do have a lot of pain. And, um, and that is really, that's another, that's a discussion for another day, but the fight on for pain medicine, when you legit have pain is a thing. Um, And then my pulmonologist had told me that they were going to trach me, which is like putting a permanent hole in your neck and then give me a ventilator backpack. So she's like, don't worry, you can just live your whole life just walking around having this machine breather for you. And I thought, well, that sounds great the way you put it, but also somewhat terrifying. And so, you know, kudos to anybody who does live with that. I know it takes a lot to be able to, to move forward with that, but I just felt like I wasn't ready. And so I thought, well, you know, I've got two young children at home. They both have autism. And if I'm gone, what do I want for them? And what I wanted for them was to live an incredible life with a lot of different things to do. And so we moved to this island in Florida. We're three blocks from the beach and they go to surf school every summer and do all this stuff. And there was so much more to do for them. And it turns out that the salt air is really good for my breathing and it's really helped my breathing out. So that's part of what's helped me. But um, I was told in 2018, I would make it about a year and it's 2023 now and I'm still here. I do not have a ventilator or a trach and I am walking around defying all of the doctor's things. And it's it's truly a miracle. And I think part of it is that I, I just refuse to succumb to it. Um, but I don't think that it's fair to say that's all of it, because if that was true, then no children would have cancer, right? No, nobody would, would whatever. Um, but I think it's just a combination of a lot of things, and mostly it's just honestly a miracle that I'm still here. But it really changed my mindset. So instead of thinking, "Oh my gosh, I've got that thing next month. If I could just get after next month, I can live my life happy," or you know, if I really want to, you know, when we're in the middle of moving if we could just get this done, I would be happy, right? You think all these different things are gonna make you happy. But when you have a finite amount of time or you think you do, you treasure every day. So instead of thinking, once we move, I will be happy, I think, okay, through this move, I will be happy. And purging my things is gonna make me feel good. And then when we get there, setting up is gonna make me feel good. And it's really changed my perception of everything because I don't wish time away anymore. And I did that a lot before. And so I think out of all the things, and it just made everything a little bit more beautiful, you know, um, just everything. And I appreciate my family a lot more. I wish I had more time with my older kids because that's really hard now that I realize all this, you know, because we did end up moving away from my older children when we came to Florida and that was really hard. But the time that we do spend now is a full weekend instead of a few coffees or lunches or whatever. So we really get that focus time, which is really nice. And I just value it so much more than I did before. All the little things. Mm -hmm.
1: And And I love that you're saying this and, you know, because a lot of like the mindset programs and coaching programs that I've taken, this is everything that we're trying to come to, right? Be present in the the moment the moment that we have because that's all we really have right and and I think there's a danger when we always put things off and say like I'm looking forward to tomorrow or whatever because it just continues to get rolled over and what we're seeing now is that no actually we need to be in the present moment and embody those feelings now because it's this is all that we have control over and so it's just amazing that you know um an illness or, or, you know, a circumstance like yours really helped like click that for you where like, you almost didn't really have to learn it. It was like a very, like apparent, like realization, like, wow. Okay. Because tomorrow is never guaranteed for any of us. And so it's really so, so important that, you know, we, we appreciate everything that we have. And so how much has gratitude been in, in your life? Has that, You know, have you really practiced that to help you?
0: Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Because even the small things, finding gratitude in just the small things, you know, getting a green light where there's lights that usually last two minutes. You know, I am ever so thankful there's this one light, you know, just the smallest things make me happy. And I I actually took a happiness coaching class when I was struggling a few years ago. And because I wanted to help other moms that were sick, and also I thought, well, I need to learn how to be happy. And one of the big takeaways in that was that we always think it's that next thing that's going to make us happy. It's right, if I get that car, or if I get that outfit, or if you shop that day, you feel really good. You bring those things home, but then the next year, you don't want to wear that anymore. So learning what truly makes you happy that's not external and focusing on those things, has made a tremendous different difference to me and not looking for that external, like next fix kind of thing, because that is a fleeting happiness, but the joy of life and joy of living and being present in the moment, that's what really makes you happy. And so if you're in a situation where you're just miserable with everything, it's time to take steps, you know, baby step your way out of that so that you can get to a place where you don't feel miserable
1: hmm yeah absolutely too many
0: people live in that because they don't think they can change but you can change no matter where you are you really can
1: yeah it's a whole new like mind shift that I think a lot of people are becoming conscious of right like how it used to be said that we're kind of like a fixed thing we grow and then this is these are our beliefs this is our life this is okay cap- like this is what we do but no like we're forever changing we can always learn new things and develop new things um Yeah. It's just incredible. Like we're really incredible beings (laughs) who have like creative power to, you know, make what we want out of this life. That brings me into, so your second book is path to happiness, right? And can you share a little bit about that? And like, maybe what are some of the, the steps that you have in there for people to find happiness?
0: Yeah. So it's a, it's a five-year journal and it's got, Almost seven thousand words in it of my own because I wanted to really help people get to that that mind shift, right, where you could really focus on the things that make you truly happy. And so each year, there's every month, there's a prompt. And so say January, the first year, you put in, you know, happiness for me looks like this. So it gives you an open-ended question instead of me telling you how to get happy because what makes me feel happy inside is probably not what makes you feel happy inside. So I want you to get there, right? And then each month has a different prompt to make you think about different things in your life. Maybe it's, you know, what's some of them may sound a little negative like what are the things that are making you unhappy right now and how can you change that? You know or get rid of that so that you don't have to deal with that anymore. And the great thing about the 5 year journal is then you go back the next year and you can say, "Oh, why well, said this would make me happy. And I didn't work on that at all. And I haven't done it. I need to work on that now. Or you know what? I thought that would make me happy last year, but it didn't work. So I can try a new thing. And what I like about the way it's done is there's days in there, but there's not years. And so someone can jump in any day of the year and start. It doesn't matter what day. It doesn't have to be January 1st. You can just jump in and get going so that you can get on your path to happiness because that's really what life is all about you know, we don't want to live miserable for the next couple of decades. Well,
1: so. exactly. Yeah. I love that. And I, and I love the point that you're bringing up that, you know, some of the questions could seem negative because you're focusing on, you know, what makes you unhappy, but, but that's really like such a great kind of realization to notice what don't I like, because knowing what you don't like, helps you become aware of what you do like. And so like, that's a really powerful exercise to really be able to look at that because sometimes, you know, we have contrast come up in our life and I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't like that. But if we could just shift the perspective to like, okay, but I don't like this, what would I like instead? And so I love questions like that. And I love that it's, you know, the five year one, every day you can, journal in it and do work in it every day because you're building the habit. And we hear all the time, you know, it takes 30 days or whatever to build a habit. And so you're literally building the habit of to become happy. Um, you know, and I heard somewhere like happiness is like a muscle and <laughs> like you need to practice it. And that's the perfect way to to get practice at that. So that's amazing.
0: And a lot of people say they want to be happy, but they don't even know what would make them happy. And that just, this journal just makes you realize, oh, these are the things that I do want, you know, because I think we think of it as a generalized feeling instead of identifying what the different things are that make us happy and unhappy and realizing that you can change things. You know, I'm over 50, my podcast, Fabulous Over 50, is all about empowering women to say You're 50. You don't have to just sit back in a rocking chair and knit unless you want to and then do it. But you've got decades left. You could go back to school. You could start a new business. You could write a book. You could do all those things. And you don't have to give up because you can pursue whatever makes you happy at any age. So I think that's really important for people to understand, you know, because when I was in my twenties and thirties, I thought, Oh, by the time I'm 50, I'll know everything. My life will be set. I'll just want to sit around and do nothing. And that is not how anyone I know over 50 is. So it's important yeah. to know.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's almost like a belief system that we just adopt and we take on and then, but our belief system does not have to be the one that we hold on to for the rest of our lives. Like we could decide To shift that and make changes in our thinking to better suit, you know, this phase of life and what we want to do. We're not really ever going to be an end product. And I really like to highlight that on the podcast that like, you're never going to get to a point where you're just packaged up, done. That's it. Don't need to grow anymore. Like, no, (laughs) like we're always no,
0: definitely not to
1: do something. Yeah. Yeah. Can we talk about how you are creating your business with the with an illness and like what are some of the adjustments that that you have made to make that happen and like I I really want want to give hope to people like no matter where you're at you could you know build your desires and create what you want maybe it's not going to look exactly like you had thought it would but it is absolutely possible so can you share what that was like for you
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, I always tell people I live the life of my dreams, but then when people hear what my life is like, they're like, how could that be the life of your dreams? <laughs> but I, it's it all comes back to what we expect, right? Our expectations and modifying them to be happy because somebody in my position may be really unhappy, but I found a way to be really happy. So my body does not like to move in the morning. I'm in a lot of pain when I get up. That's probably my, it's definitely my worst time of day. And so I don't get up until about 10 I might wake up, I'll check my email and stuff in bed, but I let my body rest until 10. And I try not to make any appointments until 11 or after. Some people say that it's lazy and, oh, I wish I could sleep in. I wish I could take a nap, whatever. But I know that for my body, that's the best. And so I've learned how to let that go when other people respond that way, because they just don't understand. And I have, like I said, I I have my setup next to my bed with my hospital table so I can work from bed at any time. I have an adjustable bed so it can do various stages of leaning. If I'm having a hard time breathing that day, I do have a a non-invasive ventilator next to my bed that breathes for me when I sleep. And then if I'm having a hard time, I can actually put that on while I'm working and it can just breathe for me while I'm working, which sounds wild, but it's a thing that you get used to when you have to. And then my office, I have this chair that is rated to sit in for an entire workday. It's very adjustable down to the smallest thing. And it It's got arms so I can lean on it because I'm missing all these muscles in my back. So my arms help me stay up. And then I've got, I've set up a U shaped desk around my body. So once I sit, I don't have to move at all. I just pivot my chair one way or the other and everything I need is within reach. And so that way I don't expend a lot of energy. So people used to say I was lazy and it used to, it was one of those voices, right? That was gnawing at me. But then I had an occupational therapist come to the house and she said, oh no because of the way your body is, you need to use as little energy as possible with everything you do so that you can do more. So I even have a stool to sit, to do dishes and everything. Although I rarely do them. I'll be honest. My husband does them for me, but, but yeah, it, I just, I modify everything to make it as easy as possible. And so no matter what you've got going on, you can totally, you can do it. You just have to learn how to modify it to make it happen. But I've got a friend And now I'm going to not think of what her name is. She was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. She lost a leg and she climbs mountains. Kirstie Ennis. Oh my gosh. She climbs mountains. She has one leg. She lost one in Afghanistan, but she's got this foundation and she does all these things. And so if you think, well, I, you know, no matter where you're at, you can do the things. It's just a matter of finding out how.
1: Yeah, wow, that's so incredible. I, I'm gonna look that up. That's, yeah, Kirstie that's Ennis, she yeah. is
0: very inspiring. Yeah, wow, yeah. I interviewed sure. her, and she was she's a mad woman. She is.
1: Hmm, that's incredible. I, I like that you're bringing up. You know that people think, oh, you sleep until ten. How lucky! You must be nice. You know, and, and I think a lot of us face that with invisible illnesses, invisible disabilities. Um people can't see it on the outside because you look totally fine. So like, what do you mean? And so how did you deal with some of that kind of, you know, negative, I don't know, comments or, you know, how do you cope with that?
0: Anymore? I just think they're just ignorant. They just don't know, Mm -hmm. you know, that whole, you don't look sick, but what does sick supposed to look like? You Mm -hmm. know, it, it, people have ideas and so I, for instance i have muscular dystrophy so there used to be a telephone telephone called the jerry lewis telephone and he had people on there with muscular dystrophy so when i say that people think well you don't look like the kids did in that movie so obviously that's not what you've got you're making it up or whatever and i just have to be secure enough in myself and my and my body to know this is it. I have one of those handicap placards to park at close to stores and stuff, and I get all kinds of looks when I step out of the car. But the bottom line is, I need to take as few steps as possible while I'm out, and I'm already going to walk the store. So I really need that. And I've gotten over it. I, sometimes it hurts my feelings. I'm not going to lie. It does when I get some of those sideways comments because I don't know when people put you down, it hurts. But I mean, what's the alternative? I guess. I don't know what it would look like to be sick. (laughs) I guess I'm thankful that I'm dealing with what I'm dealing with. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so what are some things that people could do to really, like you talk about being secure in yourself and having that confidence in yourself and maybe that self-awareness. So how, how can people start like cultivating that? So maybe they and, and like, yes, there are some times where like, it's going to hurt because I think as humans, we want to be accepted by everybody and, you know, and so it could hurt, but what are some strategies that people could just use to like, you know, overcome that and not let them completely, you know, turn their good day into a bad day, for example.
0: I think finding a support group is so important, but the right support group. So you don't want a support group where everyone is just complaining, for instance, before I started my blog, everything that that I saw about moms that were sick, everyone was complaining, but not offering solutions. So you don't want a group like that because that's going to pull you way down, but you want a support group where you know, you can pop in there every day, every couple of days, whenever you need that support, and they're going to be there for you. And they're going to say, "Oh, I understand." You know, you can say, "I really feel miserable today because of this," and they can say, "Oh, but have you tried da, da 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 right?" Or someone said this to me, and it was hurtful. And then you'll have fifty people say, "Oh my goodness, I got that last week," and it just reminds you that you're not alone. That's the big thing, isn't it? We just don't want to be the only one. And the hardest part for me is that I have family members that don't believe I'm sick, even though they lived with me when I was going through all of my big things, because I don't know why. And I've talked to a lot of women specifically, whose spouses give them a really hard time. And I think that's the hardest thing to deal with. And that would go back to if you've got a family member, a close family member, a close friend that's really struggling, bring them to the doctor with you and have them hear from the doctor. Because my husband is very supportive. He's always been really good But I didn't realize how much he didn't understand until he went to the orthopedist with me who showed him the MRI of my back and how all of it was supposed to be black where the muscle was, but it was almost all white where the muscle was gone. And he said, she shouldn't even be sitting in a chair, let alone standing up. And when my my husband heard the doctor say that, he said, oh my gosh. And then he called all our adult kids and he said, you have to understand because some of them didn't understand, this is what's happening. She's not exaggerating. And he had never let me know that he wasn't all in on what I was saying, but that was really what helped him understand. So that would be my advice. If it's someone you're comfortable bringing to the doctor or just send them information from a website or something, if you don't want to bring them to the doctor about your diagnosis and what it is so that they can understand if it's a close person. And if it's somebody that's not close, just think, you know what? It's a good thing that we're not close because I don't have to deal with you again.
1: <laughs> <Not in laughs> yeah, there we go.
0: <laughs> it's okay yeah, no. to let some people go, you know? Yeah. I mean, not family. I'm not an advocate in letting family go, but people that are around your periphery that are not being supportive and are making you feel bad, they mm-hmm. can stay in the periphery. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's kind of like a it was like a foreign concept before that I think is coming more to light now. Like we, we don't have to be around people that don't make us feel good. Like we can, you know, make that choice to take a little step back for a little bit, you know? Um, and I, and I love what you're saying about bringing the people to the doctors with you. And um, I'm in Canada, so I don't know if you have something similar where you are, but um, here, I think it's called like my pocket health or something like that, but you can get this app where you, you, actually have all of your x-rays and everything on your phone and so that would be something good too because then you can actually like pull it up and be like this is this is me <laughs> like this is what right. we're dealing with right um if you have like a large family and can't bring like the whole posse into right. the doctor's room and then but, they can
0: see like this is written yeah. by the doctor and it says this diagnosis and then they say oh wow okay wow and it because it's not that they don't believe you I was talking to one of my older kids and when I was going through a really really rough time and my older kids ducked out and I thought oh my gosh but this is when I really need you and my daughter said it's not that we don't care we totally care it's that seeing you like that and admitting that you have this thing and you might not make it is so hard we have to pretend like it doesn't exist so if you have people in your life like that instead of thinking well they're just a jerk they're just mean whatever Reach out and talk to them because you might find out they care a lot more than you thought they did. It's just hard for everyone handles it in a different way. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, that's so true. And sometimes, yeah, sometimes we can get caught up in our heads when we don't communicate with people. I mean, if we're seeing them back off, then we feel, oh my God, they don't care. And then we can have that anger. But no, like just having that open communication because we each deal with information in our own way. And so that's really powerful. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I guess it's our body, right? But the people who love us, it does affect them too. We we have to be open to thinking about how other people are feeling, Mm -hmm. even when it's something huge for us. Like even if you have cancer, right? And you get that diagnosis of cancer, yes, it completely affects you, but you have to realize it's affecting everyone around you. And that word, when people hear it, they're all going to be triggered in some way, depending on how they've heard that word in the past and how that's played out. So it's just important that we think about everyone, even in the times that we tend to be more self-focused, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, yeah, it's going to keep those relationships better.
1: For sure. Yeah. And that's making me think there's a lot of um, like caregiver support groups too. And so that might be something good for the you know, the, the close people in your life that are kind of caring for you, whatever, whatever it is that you're going through, just so that they can also talk it out with some people, because it is like a whole adjustment for everybody involved.
0: Yeah. and it, And it's hard. I know there's days and weeks and months where I spend a lot of time in bed. And even for my husband, who's very accommodating and understanding, he had admitted to me after we had that talk with the doctor that there was some days that he thought maybe I was embellishing how tired I was so that I could stay in bed or maybe. So just be aware that, you know, people aren't living in your body and they don't know exactly what you're feeling and having just being very open and very clear with people. I'm going to do everything I can do. Please understand that. But when I admitting that you're so tired, you can't do something. It isn't fun. It isn't easy. And I don't know anyone who fakes it to get attention or fakes it to be able to rest personally. I'm sure there's people out there, but a lot of people get blamed for doing that, that are not doing it. And it makes me very sad.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it does suck. Like it's not a good feeling. And so I think it really reinforces like to go back what we were talking about, how to like strengthen the confidence in yourself to be able to, to open up because it's not something easy to be able to admit either. Like, I mean, I'm in so much pain or, you know, I just, I can't do this right now. Um, It can be very difficult, but we have to have that like self-assurance within ourselves, you know, and being able to be that self-advocate for ourselves.
0: So I've started this thing called the five minute pity party. And because a lot of people say, well, you know, you can't give into it. You can't succumb to it. But my thing is this, sometimes things are overwhelming and we're sad and we're having a lot of feelings. We feel a certain way about a thing. And so my thing is set a timer for five minutes. And you get to yell and whine and cry and moan and all the things that we're told not to do for five minutes. And some people think five minutes is too short. Some say, can I do it for 30? You don't need to do it for 30. Five minutes is sufficient time, maybe 10 if you're having a real bad day. But by the time, you sometimes you just need to get it out. And I think culturally, we want everyone to suppress everything. You know, stop crying, don't be a baby, you know, suck it up, soldier up, whatever. But sometimes you just need to get it out. And so you set that timer, allow yourself to have all those feelings, all the negative feelings, all the sad feelings, all the whatever, scream into your pillow, hit your pillow, do what you need to do in an appropriate way. And then when that timer beeps, you can sit back, you can journal about how you felt, you can write it down, or you can think, oh, wow, okay, just feel so much better. For me, it makes me feel so much better. And I'll do it with my kids too, sometimes just for one minute with them. And just allow them to get out all that ick because once we get it out, we can feel better. And I think there's nothing wrong with just letting yourself purge those negative feelings every once in a while.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That, I'm so glad you're bringing this up because I think they're there is kind of something, you know, where people are just like, Oh, be positive, be positive. And now it's getting kind of a negative skew. Cause it's like, well, no, I can't just bottle up all of these feelings and like, whoosh away all the negative feelings and just think positive. That's not sustainable. And that's exactly what we're doing. We're suppressing those feelings that are going to end up building up and coming out some somehow in our body, right. Through a symptom or, or something. And so giving ourselves that permission. And I think you know, it is a shift in the thinking that like it's okay, like we're human. You know that saying, It's okay not to be okay. Like, yeah, yeah, cry, do whatever you need to do, but give yourself a time limit for it. Like we're not gonna wallow for the next month of our life, you know, create exactly, the habit of that. But
0: yeah. Yeah, because you don't want to be like Eeyore, right? Because nobody wants to be around that. And then I know because I get, you know, yesterday, my husband and I were out on a date and the whole time I was like, ah, you know, and had I just gotten that all out before we went, it would have been a much better date. (laughs) But he was really nice and just let me be like that. And I had about a four hour pity party and then I felt really dumb when we came home. But, you know, but if you don't get it out in an appropriate way, it's going to come out. It is. Or you're going to yell at people that don't deserve it or, you know, snap at people that don't deserve it. it, It will come out. Or like you said, it'll manifest in your body, come out as a symptom, or you'll get sick if you stuff all these things. So I think our culture does people a disservice in the whole, the fake positivity thing you know, Mm -hmm. we're not allowed to grieve. We're not allowed to be sad and it's okay. You don't want that to take over your life because it's not healthy, but we're human. We do have those feelings. We have sadness and anger and grief and all those. And we need to normalize that, I think, and allow each other to have those feelings in an appropriate way so that we can really experience the joy when we feel joy and not have those lingering bad things stuck back in our brain. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I like to think about it as kind of like an umbrella theory, you know, and maybe like the umbrella, like you're having a positive life. But within that, yes, you can feel all of your negative emotions, knowing that it's going to help you get process it, get through it, so that you can get back to your positivity. Like positivity, could be the main theme, but like allow yourself to feel everything that you're feeling um, thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that story. <laughs> and I think a lot of people could relate to bottling things up and then not really enjoying the moment as much as you could. Um, yeah, I mean, it's so, so many of us do that all the time, right? It's, yeah. uh, or
0: we'll go through months like that. And yeah. we just, we need to find a way to let it out so that we don't have to buy a punching bag if you need to. You know, we did that I for did. my sons, my older sons, when they were teenagers, because they had all this energy. With all that testosterone and all that whatever and all those feelings and the punching bag just was a positive way to get that out. And then they could move forward. But without that, they were just you know, wanting to take that out on a person, and that's not good. You can't mm-hmm. well, you can, but you shouldn't. That's not-
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. We don't want to show create people, a that's whole not- lot of other stress if you uh <laughs> take it out on a person. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, but yeah, that's great. Well, and especially like physical exercise, right? Like where can you channel that energy onto something? So I think it's like being creative and knowing yourself, how do you best process it? Are you a crier? Are you a puncher? Are you a runner? Like maybe- Right. Or take a,
0: yeah, take a long walk. That does, a that's a good for a lot of people. It gets that energy out. You can do a lot of thinking while you're walking. It's yeah. It's really healthy absolutely. for you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been so valuable, Jen. Thank you so much. And I'm wondering, I, I like to like leave- like a takeaway or a step, can you, can you give us like a step for anyone who really wants to, you know, start creating the life that they want or the things that they want to do, the business, the podcast, the book, whatever it is, what's something that they can start like doing today to get them closer to that?
0: I think my, my go-to is always pen and paper. So write down all of the things that you think you want, all of them, even if they seem silly, write them all down. And then go back and take the top three doable things you could do say within the next month and one by one, cross those things off your list. And that's going to start you on the path to where you want to be. And then pull that piece of paper out and just keep going down that list. And as you go, and as you're doing the things that were the most doable, you might look back and think, well, do I really want to do those things? Th-? You know, there's a few things on there that might've seemed doable, but then you think, do I really want to though? Once things start moving in a more positive direction and accomplishing things is going to make you feel so good, setting those goals and accomplishing them. It's going to make you feel really positive and it's going to get you on that path to happiness, right? And then just keep moving forward and baby step it. And if you don't feel well, or you have a chronic illness, or you've got something going on, Give yourself grace to move slower and don't fall into this trap. Because I know if you want to start a business or you want to start a podcast or you want to do whatever, you'll start looking and people will say, oh, oh, take my course. And in six months, you'll be making six figures and you feel like a failure if you don't. That is not true. And almost no one does that. So don't fall prey to the people that try to sell you that quick thing. Just take it step by step and you're going to get to where you should be in your time. I think that's really important mm-hmm. to know yeah. because when I started so many people were six figures in six months and they're just selling their thing. That's what they're doing. So, right.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's so true. And I, and I love the point that you're making and, um, I've been starting to, to think about like an evidence journal. And so I love that you're saying take pen to paper because as you're writing it and as you're checking things off, like that's building yourself the evidence to be like, look, I am well on my way. So that when that, you know, sabotage and those self-doubts and everything come up, you have the proof. You're like, well, no, this isn't true anymore. Look at everything I've done. And you're that much more likely to, you know, have the confidence in yourself to keep moving forward And so that's really great advice. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that.
0: Oh, you're welcome. And then, yeah, and if you're thinking, but I could never do that, I'm not good enough, whatever. If you have a lot of those voices, another piece of paper, write down all the things you know are great about you because you do, you know great things. At least five to 10, it could be 50 or 100, just start writing and then tape that up on your bathroom mirror. And every morning when you wake up, you're going to read it. And every night before you go to bed, you're going to read it and remind yourself. And it's not being narcissistic or braggy or whatever. It's just a reminder for you that you're a great human. You're the human you're supposed to be. You're the person exactly in this moment that you were supposed to be. And you may feel like you want to grow in some ways, and that's great. Do that. But acknowledge that you're okay where you are, because I think so many of us beat ourselves up because we compare ourselves to perfect our perfect idea of what we should be or what other people are and no one is perfect <laughs> once you get to know them truly and deeply we are all flawed in some ways and so you just need to remind yourself that you're a great person
1: yeah absolutely and I think this is what we were talking about yesterday about you know the picture perfects like on Instagram and everything like that's not real life <laughs> so
0: no you, it is not real like life up
1: in that mm-hmm
0: yeah. Do not compare yourself to anybody's Instagram version or social media version of themselves. And when I was, when I had a bunch of young kids at home, I always wanted to take a van to and bring our husbands in it and let them see everyone's house before they cleaned it. Because the husbands all saw everyone's house at everyone else's house when it was cleaned for company for them to go. So all my friends' husbands always thought everyone else's house was cleaner than theirs. And I think that's exactly what's happening with social media everyone thinks that everyone's house is better than theirs because you are seeing a very carefully curated section of home that has been put together perfectly or pictures of someone right after they've gotten themselves together. You're not seeing them when they first wake up or when they've taken off their makeup and their hair's all messed up. And I think, honestly, I want to have a day on social media where everyone comes out as their natural selves. We can see the reality. I think that would be so healthy.
1: Yeah. I, I love that you're saying this because it's making me think like I take photos for like my kombucha and my book and it's a nice picture, but like, you don't want to see the mess behind me and like all of this stuff that I just like rated right and pushed out of the way to be able to take that photo. And so it's so true. Like we can't take it for surface value because we don't know what's on the other side of that lens, you know? <laughs>
0: Exactly. I mean, even in my office, I have, I have this beautiful backdrop behind me, but my computer usually isn't facing this direction. I'm usually facing the window. But if I face the window, you would see the mess behind me. I don't want anyone to see. And really, I should probably start taking videos where people do see the mess because that is the reality.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like people could connect with one another so much more when you're like, Oh, you're just like me. Oh my gosh. Look at that. Because we are so much more all similar than we think we are when, you know, we put on this, this cover, or this front, and we don't really allow ourselves to, I don't know, be, be our true vulnerable selves for people to, yeah. to connect. Right. Cause we're, we're all the same. So thank you so much for sharing everything. Do you want to Actually, do you want to share where people could could find you for more information or for your books?
0: Yeah, just jenhardy.net. Everything's there, the books, the podcasts, everything. So that's just one easy place to go.
1: Okay, perfect. I'll be sharing that link in the show notes of this episode. And thank you so much, Jen. Again, it was such a pleasure talking to you. This has been really, really great.
0: (laughs) It's been great. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Appreciate it.
1: That was such an amazing and enjoyable conversation. As always, I would love to hear your takeaways. So please feel free to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts and let me know. And if you're listening on Spotify right now, please go ahead and answer that question within the podcast episode page itself. I asked the question, what was your biggest takeaway? And I would love to hear what that is. If you post, I will highlight you on the next episode. And so I cannot wait to hear from you. Here are today's self empowerment takeaways that I took out one, just start. If there's something that you really want to do, just start doing that thing. You won't get good at something, or even you won't even know if you like that thing unless you start doing it. So take a chance on yourself 2 self doubt affects all of us. This may not sound super empowering, but the idea is that everybody experiences self-doubt at one point or another in their life. And so it doesn't make you unique, and it certainly isn't true. Imagine if everyone would've succumbed to their own self-doubt. I mean, we'd still be in our hunter-gatherer age of the ancestors. And so don't listen to those voices in your head that keep you playing small, keep you feeling insignificant and stuck. You are destined for greatness. Three, be happy throughout the journey. Happiness is not in that next thing. It's not in anything. It's within you and it's right where you are. Everything always exists in the present moment anyways. And so you have to start cultivating it right now, right where you are. Learn what happiness means to you and begin doing more of that. Four, you can do it. Whatever you want, whatever you have your heart set on, you can do it, you really can. And no matter what you have going on, no matter what circumstance you find yourself in, you can do it. Even if that thing might not look exactly what you had planned for yourself, it's still possible for you to accomplish whatever it is that you set your mind to. And so be flexible in your approach, but know that you can do it no matter what five feel all of your emotions, negative emotions are going to come up. It's part of being human. And so when those negative emotion come up or those feeling of self-doubt come up, allow yourself to feel them. Throw yourself a pity party if you have to. Allocate a short amount of time, say, you know, five minutes, to really feel those emotions and let it all out. Cry, kick, scream, run, write, whatever it is that you need to do. Take the time that you need to feel it and then let it go and allow yourself to move on. You can find all links in the show notes of this episode. Thank you for being here. I hope you got just as much value out of today's episode as I did. If you feel called, please share this episode with someone who you feel would benefit from the conversations we had. It's going to help us reach more people. And this is one way that we can all help empower each other from the inside out.